Section two of the Adventures of Old Mr. Toad. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter five. Old Mr. Toad's Music Bag. Never think that you have learned all there is to know. That's the surest way of all ignorance to show. I found old Mr. Toad, cried Peter Rabbit, hurrying after Jimmy Skunk. Where? demanded Jimmy. In the water, declared Peter. He's sitting right over there where the water is shallow, and he didn't notice me at all. Let's get Unc Billy and then creep over to the edge of the smiling pool and watch to see if old Mr. Toad really does try to sing. So they hunted up Unc Billy Possum, and the three stole very softly over to the edge of the smiling pool where the bank was low and the water shallow. Sure enough, there sat old Mr. Toad with just his head out of the water. And while they were watching him, something very strange happened. "'What's the matter with him?' whispered Peter, his big eyes looking as if they might pop out of his head. "'If he don't watch out, he'll blow up and burst!' exclaimed Jimmy. "'Listen!' whispered Unc Billy Possum. Do my ears hear right? Pears to me that that song is coming right from where Br'er Toad is sitting. It certainly did appear so. And of all the songs that glad spring day, there was none sweeter. Indeed, there were few as sweet. The only trouble was the song was so very short. It lasted only for two or three seconds. And when it ended, old Mr. Toad looked quite his natural self again, just as commonplace, almost ugly, as ever. Peter looked at Jimmy Skunk, Jimmy looked at Unc Billy Possum, and Unc Billy looked at Peter, and no one had a word to say. Then all three looked back at old Mr. Toad. And even as they looked, his throat began to swell and swell and swell until it was no wonder that Jimmy Skunk had thought that he was in danger of blowing up. And then, when it stopped swelling, there came again those beautiful little notes, so sweet and tremulous, that Peter actually held his breath to listen. There was no doubt that old Mr. Toad was singing just as he had said he was going to. And it was just as true that his song was one of the sweetest, if not the sweetest, of all the chorus from and around the Smiling Pool. It was very hard to believe, but Peter and Jimmy and Unc Billy both saw and heard, and that was enough. Their respect for old Mr. Toad grew tremendously as they listened. "'How does he do it?' whispered Peter. "'With that bag under his chin, of course,' replied Jimmy Skunk. "'Don't you see it's only when that is swelled out that he sings? "'It's a regular music bag, and I didn't know he had any such bag there at all.' "'I wish,' said Peter Rabbit, feeling of his throat, "'that I had a music bag like that in my throat.' And then he joined in the laugh of Jimmy and Unc Billy, but still with something of a look of wistfulness in his eyes. Chapter 6 Peter Discovers Something More There are stranger things in the world today than ever you dreamed could be. 
there's beauty in some of the commonest things, if only you've eyes to see. Ever since Peter Rabbit was a little chap and had first ran away from home, he had known old Mr. Toad, and never once had Peter suspected that he could sing. Also, he had thought old Mr. Toad almost ugly-looking, and he knew that most of his neighbors thought the same way. They were fond of old Mr. Toad, for he was always good-natured and attended strictly to his own affairs. But they liked to poke fun at him, and as for there being anything beautiful about him, such a thing never entered their heads. Now that they had discovered that he really has a very beautiful voice, they began to look on him with a great deal more respect. This was especially so with Peter. He got in the habit of going over to the Smiling Pool every day, when the way was clear, just to sit on the bank and listen to old Mr. Toad. "'Why didn't you ever tell us before that you could sing?' he asked one day, as old Mr. Toad looked up at him from the Smiling Pool. "'What was the use of wasting my breath?' demanded old Mr. Toad. "'You wouldn't have believed me if I had. You didn't believe me when I did tell you.' Peter knew that this was true, and he couldn't find any answer ready. At last he ventured another question. "'Why haven't I ever heard you sing before?' "'You have,' replied old Mr. Toad tartly. "'I sang right in this very place last spring, and the spring before, and the spring before that. You've sat on that very bank lots of times while I was singing.' The trouble with you, Peter, is that you don't use your eyes or your ears. Peter looked more foolish than ever, but he ventured another question. It wouldn't be Peter to let a chance for questions go by. Have I ever heard you singing up on the meadows or in the old orchard? No, replied old Mr. Toad. I only sing in the springtime. That's the time for singing. I just have to sing then. In the summer it is too hot, and in the winter I sleep. I always return to my old home to sing. You know, I was born here. All my family gathers here in the spring to sing, so of course I come too. Old Mr. Toad filled out his queer music bag under his chin and began to sing again. Peter watched him. Now it just happened that old Mr. Toad was facing him, and so Peter looked down straight into his eyes. He never had looked into Mr. Toad's eyes before, and now he just stared and stared, for it came over him that those eyes were very beautiful, very beautiful indeed. Oh, he exclaimed, what beautiful eyes you have, Mr. Toad. So I've been told before replied old Mr. Toad. My family always has had beautiful eyes. There is an old saying that every toad has jewels in his head, but of course he hasn't, not real jewels. It is just the beautiful eyes. <laughs> Excuse me, Peter, but I'm needed in that chorus. Old Mr. Toad once more swelled out his throat and began to sing. Peter watched him a while longer, then hopped away to the dear old briar-patch, and he was very thoughtful. Never again will I call anybody homely and ugly until I know all about him, said Peter, which was a very wise decision, 
But don't you think so? Chapter 7 A Shadow Passes Over the Smiling Pool Here's what Mr. Toad says. Heed it well, my dear. Time to watch for clouds is when the sky is clear. He says that that is the reason that he lives to a good old age, does old Mr. Toad. I suppose he means that when the sky is cloudy, everybody is looking for rain and is prepared for it. But when the sun is shining, most people forget that there is such a thing as a storm. So when it comes suddenly, very few are prepared for it. It is the same way with danger and trouble. So old Mr. Toad very wisely watches out when there seems to be the least need of it, and he finds it always pays. It was a beautiful spring evening. Over back of the purple hills to which old Mother West Wind had taken her children, the merry little breezes, and behind which jolly, round, red Mr. Sun had gone to bed, there was still a faint, clear light. But over the green meadows and the smiling pool the shadows had drawn a curtain of soft dusk which in the green forest became black. The little stars looked down from the sky and twinkled just to see their reflections twinkle back at them from the smiling pool. And there and all around it was perfect peace. Jerry Muskrat swam back and forth, making little silver lines on the surface of the smiling pool and squeaking contentedly, for it was the hour which he loves best. Little friend, the song sparrow, had tucked his head under his wing and gone to sleep among the alders along the laughing brook, and Redwing the blackbird had done the same thing among the bulrushes. All the feathered songsters who had made joyous the bright day had gone to bed. But this did not mean that the glad spring chorus was silent. <laughs> oh, my, no, no, indeed. The green meadows were silent, and the green forest was silent. But, as if to make up for this, the sweet singers of the smiling pool, the hylas and the frogs and old Mr. Toad, were pouring out their gladness as if they had not been singing most of the departed day. You see, it was the hour they loved best of all, the hour which seems to them just made for singing, and they were doing their best to tell old Mother Nature how they love her, and how glad they were that she had brought back sweet Mr. Spring to waken them from their long sleep. It was so peaceful and beautiful there that it didn't seem possible that danger of any kind could be lurking near. But old Mr. Toad, swelling out that queer music bag in his throat and singing with all his might, never once forgot that wise saying of his, and so he was the first to see what looked like nothing so much as a little detached bit of the blackness of the green forest floating out towards the smiling pool. Instantly he stopped singing. Now that was a signal. When he stopped singing, his nearest neighbor stopped singing, then the next one, and the next, and in a minute there wasn't a sound from the smiling pool save the squeak of Jerry Muskrat hidden among the bulrushes. That great chorus stopped as abruptly as the electric lights go out when you press a button. Back and forth, over the smiling pool, this way and that way, floated the shadow. But there was no sign of any living thing in the smiling pool. After a while, the shadow floated away over the green meadows without a sound. 
Hooty the Owl didn't get one of us that time, said old Mr. Toad to his nearest neighbor with a chuckle of satisfaction. Then he swelled out his music bag and began to sing again, and at once, as abruptly as it had stopped, the great chorus began again as joyous as before, for nothing had happened to bring sadness as might have but for the watchfulness of old Mr. Toad. CHAPTER Eight, OLD MR. TOAD'S BABIES The smiling pool's a nursery, where all the sunny day a thousand funny babies are taught while at their play. Really, the smiling pool is a sort of kindergarten, one of the most interesting kindergartens in the world. Little Joe Otter's children learn to swim there. So do Jerry Muskrat's babies and those of Billy Mink, the trout and minnow babies, and a lot more. And there you will find the children and grandchildren of Grandfather Frog and Old Mr. Toad. Peter Rabbit had known for a long time about the frog babies, but though he knew that Old Mr. Toad was own cousin to Grandfather Frog, he hadn't known anything about toad babies, except that a certain time in the year he was forever running across tiny toads, especially on rainy days, and each little toad was just like old Mr. Toad, except for his size. Peter had heard it said that toads rained down from the sky, and sometimes it seemed as if this must be so. Of course he knew it couldn't be, but it puzzled him a great deal. There wouldn't be a toad in sight. Then it would begin to rain, and right away there would be so many tiny toads that it was hard work to jump without stepping on some. He remembered this as he went to pay his daily call on old Mr. Toad at the Smiling Pool and listened to his sweet song. He hadn't seen any little toads this year, but he remembered his experiences with them in other years, and he meant to ask about them. Old Mr. Toad was sitting in his usual place, but he wasn't singing. He was staring at something in the water. When Peter said, Good morning, old Mr. Toad didn't seem to hear him. He was too much interested in what he was watching. Peter stared down into the water to see what was interesting old Mr. Toad so much, but he saw nothing but a lot of wriggling tadpoles. "'What are you staring at so, Mr. Sobersides?' asked Peter, speaking a little louder than before. Old Mr. Toad turned and looked at Peter, and there was a look of great pride in his face. "'I'm just watching my babies.' "'Aren't they lovely?' said he. Peter stared harder than ever, but he couldn't see anything that looked like a baby toad. "'Where are they?' asked he. "'I don't see any babies but those of Grandfather Frog. And if you ask me, I always did think tadpoles about the homeliest things in the world.' Old Mr. Toad grew indignant. "'Those are not Grandfather Frog's children. They're mine,' he sputtered. "'And I'll have you know that they are the most beautiful babies in the world.' Peter drew a hand across his mouth to hide a smile. "'I beg your pardon, Mr. Toad,' said he. "'I, I, I thought all tadpoles were frog babies. They all look alike to me.' "'Well, they're not,' declared old Mr. Toad. How anyone can mistake my babies for their cousins I cannot understand. 
Now mine are beautiful, while— Chuckaroo, interrupted the great deep voice of Grandfather Frog. What are you talking about? Why, your babies are no more to be compared with my babies for real beauty than nothing at all. I'll leave it to Peter if they are. But Peter wisely held his tongue. To tell the truth, he couldn't see beauty in any of them. To him they were all just wriggling pollywogs. They were more interesting now because he had found out that some of them were toads and some were frogs, and he hadn't known before that baby toads begin life as tadpoles. But he had no intention of being drawn into the dispute now waxing furious between Grandfather Frog and Old Mr. Toad. End of section two.